Every year, millions of people see a healthcare professional for symptoms that diagnostic tests can't explain. In most of these patients, the, the cause of the illness is stress, particularly stress that isn't fully recognized. The symptoms are quite real and may occur anywhere in the body. And this condition is called the stress illness or PPD, which stands for psychophysiologic disorders. This can be mild or severe and causes symptoms that may last for years. High Ampage, host at Chizuba Talks, a podcast that tells inspiring stories of nonprofits and their phenomenal leaders. Dr. David D. Clark, MD, is the president of the Psychophysiologic Disorders Association. He is also assistant director at the Center for Ethics and clinical assistant professor of gastroenterology emeritus, both at Oregon Health and Science University in Portland. He is associate faculty at Arizona State University, associate faculty at the Cummings Graduate Institute, clinical advisor to the Stress Illness Recovery Practitioners Association, and clinical lecturer with Pacific University in Oregon. He has conducted detailed interviews with over 7,000 people whose symptoms were simply not explained by diagnostic testing. Let us know more about this prevalent but elusive topic. Welcome, Dr. Clark. Thank you, Tej. It's great to be here with you. So, Dr. Clark, stress is something that everybody has. So what is stress illness and how does it differ from other medical conditions? Well, it turns out that if the stress is severe enough or goes on for a long enough period of time, it actually can change the anatomy of the circuits in the brain uh, that process signals from the body. And the result of that can be either chronic pain uh, or other forms of illness uh, with symptoms, as you pointed out, every bit as real as those caused by injury or disease. Um, the problem is that even though millions of people suffer from this, very few healthcare professionals have had any formal training in how to diagnose or treat it. Uh, but the good news is that if you know what to look for, you can uncover the cause, uh, you can find the stresses uh, that are responsible, you can help the patients to see what those stresses are, and then you can treat them successfully. And when you do, uh, the uh, physical symptoms uh, improve. A uh, story I like to tell is a patient who was hospitalized at a major university in the United States uh, four times a year for 15 years with no diagnosis. So a total of 60 admissions to this prestigious hospital, uh, a dozen specialists, including a psychiatrist, and they had no idea what was wrong with her. But just by knowing what to look for, I uncovered the stress that was very powerfully linked to her attacks of illness. We brought that into her conscious awareness so that she could see it for herself, see what the stress was, see how it was linked to her episodes of illness. And in her case, that was enough to alleviate the symptoms. Uh, she was basically cured on the spot, went home from the hospital the next day. Uh, she called me a year later to say she'd, not, she'd gone the entire year without an episode of illness. So the improvement with this um, can be dramatic. And we now have uh, 
scientifically rigorous randomized controlled trials that uh, show um, that this is possible and that, and that the outcomes, the relief of the pain or illness uh, can be dramatic, much better than anything we've had before. Right. Now, having said this, what are the symptoms uh, people should take into account? Yes, the symptoms can literally be from head to toe. Um, migraines, ringing in the ears, uh, difficulty with the hearing or with the vision, difficulty swallowing. Uh, there's a joint here in the jaw called the temporal mandibular joint that can develop pain or stiffness. Uh, fibromyalgia, uh, pain in the neck or low back uh, or anywhere on the spine, really. Pain in the chest, difficulty breathing, difficulty swallowing difficulty with the changes in the voice, all kinds of gastrointestinal symptoms, uh, which is how I got into this field, uh, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, constipation, abdominal pain, pelvic pain, genital symptoms, bladder spasms. Uh, it, it just, the list goes on and on. The only common denominator is that people with this condition tend to have more than one symptom at a time. Uh, and the symptoms can also move from place to place. Okay. So uh, would it be right to say that somebody who is suffering from multiple sim symptoms like these, uh, but no pain as such, uh, can be diagnosed as stress illness? Yes, absolutely. Uh, we are always recommend that patients see their physician first to have a uh, thorough diagnostic evaluation to make sure that there's no structural damage, there's no organ disease. Um, but when you walk into a doctor's office with a, with a symptom, uh, wanting to know what's, what's causing it, uh, right off the bat, you have a 40% chance that it's a stress-related illness or a psychophysiologic disorder, because that's the, the statistic about people who come to see a primary care physician, 40% have this condition. If you then go through the diagnostic evaluation and no cause is found, then the probability of this being stress-related goes way up. And then it's we recommend that uh, the doctor or the behavioral health consultant go on a search for what that stress might be. Because oftentimes the patient themselves, uh, as with the story I told earlier about the woman who was hospitalized so many mm -hmm. times, they may not recognize uh, the magnitude or severity of that stress or the nature of it for that matter. Right. So are there any triggers to such cases? And if there are triggers, can the individual self-evaluate and mentally deal with it so that it does not uh, exacerbate into something larger? You know, sometimes they can. And when they discover what that connection is, they may be able to do it, uh, to deal with it themselves. Um, but the patients who wind up in my office as, as a consultant specialist um, usually have not been able to do that. The woman with the 60 hospital stays, mm -hmm. even the psychiatrist, uh, didn't uncover it. So we go through a organized systematic process for evaluating stresses. And first we look for the obvious stresses in your life at the moment, uh, which could be almost anything. One of my patients only got his symptoms when he was driving to work. When he was driving home from work, 
he was fine. Um, so clearly wow. his stress was in the workplace and it was very easy to find what that was. And he got a lot better once he saw the connection. But surprisingly often, even a majority of my patients, the stress happened to them when they were children and they were you know, abused or mistreated or neglected or made to feel like they were second rate in some way. Mm -hmm. uh, any kind of treatment that you would never want for a child of your own, for example. And those can have long-term consequences. Yes, they can af affect your personality. Uh, they can cause um, uh, deeply repressed emotions of anger or fear uh, that you may not know you have. And there can be triggers. You mentioned triggers uh, earlier. Uh, if, let's say, someone who mistreated you as a child is still in your life today, that mm -hmm. can be a trigger. Oh, okay. Wow. But identifying that individual is a task, isn't it? Yes. We have to have a conversation. We have to know what to look for. Um, mm -hmm. One of the questions that I often ask my patients is, uh, imagine that you were a butterfly on the wall of your childhood home and mm -hmm. you were watching a child you care about, your own child or someone else's, try to cope with everything you had to cope with uh, at that mm -hmm. time in your mm -hmm. life. Uh, is there anything that would make you sad or angry watching a child you care about having mm -hmm. to deal with everything you had to cope with as a child? And if there was, you know, we need to have a conversation about that. We need to see if it's still affecting you today. Um, you know, has, you know, many of my patients, for example, are very focused on pleasing other people, or they're very detail oriented, or they're perfectionist, or they're very self-critical. That can grow out of a difficult childhood experience and cause you stress uh, in the present day um, that once we understand it, we can deal with it. Wow. So I find some sort of similarity in terms of understanding uh, you know molding the brain what is it called it's called nlp neurolinguistic neurolinguistic programming, programming yes yes does that help in uh, solving this issue i think that if you understand what the issues are you can use neurolinguistic programming uh, to help people so i think there's uh, there's value there but the techniques that have been most rigorously tested fall under the heading of what I call pain relief psychology or pain relief psychotherapy. Mm -hmm. And there are several subtypes, but they have a lot in common. Um, first, they try to shift your attention from the part of your body that is having the symptoms, whether it's you know, your mm -hmm. migraines or your fibromyalgia. Stop thinking about those symptoms as demanding of attention as they are. And think about what's going on in the brain. Think about the stress that is changing the nerve circuits in your brain, which is then causing the sensations um, in the body. And if we can start to understand what the stresses are, shift the patient's attention to those issues and, and help them to see them more clearly, uh, we're going to start making progress. Then we're looking for um, uh, the personality traits, uh, the repressed emotions, and any triggers. The triggers being uh, people, uh, situations or events that are somehow linked to the childhood adversity and, and kind of bring up a, a reminder of that. It's the emotions, though, that oftentimes are the key. So many of my patients uh, had tremendous amounts of anger or fear, sometimes shame, grief, or guilt that they simply were not aware of. And we need to 
help people with this pain relief psychology to bring those into conscious awareness so we can talk about them, so we can put those emotions into words. And the more we can do that, uh, then the less those emotions need to go into the body in the form of symptoms. Let's take a break to understand what Jazuba is. Everyone at some point ponders on how this beautiful life can be made more meaningful. Maybe you're a leader trying to enhance your employee's experience at your organization. Or you already work for the community and seek volunteers with state-of-the-art skills to strengthen your nonprofit. Whatever your situation, know that you can make a difference. Chizuba began with this very vision, a vision to facilitate every skill and every passion in the world in meeting a social need. Corporate volunteering has several benefits for both businesses and organizations. In parallel, experienced and enthusiastic volunteers join NGO workers, enabling them to serve the community more effectively. Chizuba offers everyone looking to add purpose and meaning to their lives a chance to connect or volunteer virtually with non-profit organizations from over 100 countries around the world. Visit www.chizuba.net and explore opportunities to find meaning. Chizuba, your platform to do good. And now, back with our guest. Dr. Clark, I would presume most of the people would be having some or the other kind of stress illness. It's just that it has not been diagnosed so far. Have you in your studies found that uh, most people have this? It's 90%, I think. Well, it uh, in the people that come into my practice, it was um, closer to 35 or 40%. Uh, the rest of my practice was fairly ordinary gastrointestinal work, uh, people with ulcers or liver disease or bowel uh, diseases, tumors, inflammation, gallstones, uh, inflammation of the pancreas, those kinds of things, uh, um, very much organ disease, sometimes structural damage. Um, but the other 35% in my case, and uh, roughly 40% in primary care, uh, the level of symptoms gets to the point that people go to the doctor. Um, now, mm -hmm. if we were to take um, uh, everybody, you know, people whose symptoms are mild enough or infrequent enough that they feel they don't need the physician, uh, then, you know, you're undoubtedly talking about a much larger proportion. And if we can help people to think about their symptoms in this new way, to think about when they have a symptom like this, could there be a stress behind it? Think about what's happening in your life. Uh, and when you do that, uh, you can get a lot of insight, let's put it that way, into stresses that you might not have fully appreciated before. Very interesting, very interesting. So would you say there are any lifestyle changes or coping mechanisms that can help manage stress illness symptoms? Yes, one of the common uh, personality traits that I find in my patients is that uh, they often put other people's needs ahead of their own. Um, they are taking care of sometimes everybody else in their world, uh, their 
family, their spouse, their workplace colleagues, their neighbors, uh, but they struggle to put themselves on the list of people they take care of. And so they're living lives as if they're on a treadmill that they never step off. And sooner or later that catches up with you, the body starts to protest and you get pain, you get other symptoms, you get fatigue, and the body kind of forces you to stop uh, so that you can focus on your own needs. And if you feel a little better and you try to go back and resume that former lifestyle, your body will just do the same thing to you again until you figure out, uh, as I say, how to put yourself on the list of people you're taking care of, how to uh, carve out some regular time uh, that you take for no purpose but your own joy. You know, Dr. Clark, as we are speaking right now, I am just thinking of the people who I have to send this episode to. <laughs> because I I totally get what you're saying. Uh, and I, I, I'm able to identify people who are having this chronic pain or chronic complaints about some or the other issue. And they sort of manifest it into themselves to get those illnesses. Uh, so... If I have to put it like that, do we have any support groups or resources where these people can find some solace? Yes. In fact, uh, my nonprofit, the Psychophysiologic Disorders Association, which people can find at endchronicpain.org is the easiest to remember. We're about to launch a, a new membership program to do exactly that, where we're going to bring people together. Um, and every month we're going to have for people who are members a, a free webinar worldwide uh, that people can ask questions about their own situation uh, or general questions about this condition uh, and get some answers because uh, there are too few healthcare professionals that yes. uh, understand this in detail, and the sources of information uh, are limited. Um, fortunately, also on our website, we've got uh, a webinar-based course. Uh, it's for healthcare professionals, but we've taken all the uh, jargon out of it. There's no medical or psychological terminology that people have to struggle with, so anybody can take the course. There's a recorded conference. There are textbooks. There are books written specifically for patients uh, that we recommend because they're, they're scientifically based. So there are a lot of resources now that we didn't have when I started in this field 40 years ago. Wow, that's super. So maybe you would want to share your website here so people who are listening to this uh, can refer to that. Yeah, once again, endchronicpain.org. Uh, um, my first book on this topic, it was called They Can't Find Anything Wrong because I mm -hmm. used to hear that from patients so often. They would come in and they'd say, all the doctors have tested me and tested me and they can't find anything wrong. So I chose that for the title of my book. And there's information about the book on uh, stressillness.com is another uh, website that uh, is linked to my work. One last question, doctor. Tell me when uh, people say laughter is the best medicine. Do you think having more humor or you know just laughing more often will uh, help mitigate this illness? Yes, I think uh, you know if you are doing something that uh, helps you to laugh, that's a form of self-care. Um, you know, a lot of my patients who grew up in environments that were challenging for them. They, as children, 
tried to focus on what those problems were, tried to solve those problems even as children, and by focusing so heavily on the issues in their family even as children, they lost the ability to focus on themselves. Uh, In the phrase I used earlier, they lost the ability to put themselves on the list of people they take care of. If they can look at their childhood experience uh, with pride, uh, with the idea that they through no fault of their own, had a difficult situation to deal with, and Mm -hmm. they came through it. Uh, They should take pride in that. And if you take pride in that, it means that you deserve uh, to uh, take care of yourself better. And opportunities for laughter are uh, definitely on that list. Absolutely. Wonderful. So stay happy, stay positive is what people, we keep hearing all the time, and it really helps in maintaining a good health, isn't it? Well, very much so, but very difficult to stay positive and happy if you spent your early years being made to feel like a second-rate human being. I try to have my patients think of those early experiences as the moral equivalent of being born on the far side of the Himalayas and having to climb uh, up and over and through that uh, mountain wilderness Mm -hmm. to get to be adults. And that emphasizes that the situation they found themselves in, as difficult as it was, was no fault of their own, and that they should take uh, tremendous pride in the heroic perseverance that they needed to come through that experience. And if they can flip their self-image from a negative one to a positive one, thinking of themselves as, as heroic, for what they had to overcome. Uh, That changes a lot of things. It changes their ability to take time for themselves. It changes the uh, relationships in their lives. They're no longer going to be as willing to tolerate uh, being mistreated by the people who are Mm -hmm. close to them. They're going to be better able to set boundaries uh, between themselves and people who are causing stress for them. A lot of things change when they can look back at their early life uh, with pride. And, and so that's uh, something I emphasize in my treatment. Fantastic. Um, I, I think this is a long process. It's not something that will happen overnight. And uh, really depends these... on the patient. Yeah, it depends oh, it on does. the patient. Yeah. I have seen people make dramatic recoveries. Um, one of my patients oh. was ill for 55 years. Um, okay. he, I saw him back in the days of, of paper medical records. And I just got volume three uh, of his paper medical records. It was eight centimeters thick, uh, full of unsuccessful diagnostic tests and treatments. But I found out that he had been abused as a boy. I got him hooked up with a a class uh, to learn more about that with other people who had been through similar experiences. He shared his experience with this group for the first time. And, you know, within, I would say, four or five weeks, uh, his pain had gone away for good after 55 years. So uh, there is always hope. Fantastic. So what comes to my mind, Dr. Clark, right now is just this morning I was interviewing with a nonprofit, again, run by this lady. She is in chronic pain. Maybe I could connect the two of you and see what comes of it. Yes, uh, chronic pain, uh, especially when the diagnostic evaluation has not been successful or the treatment is not working the way the physicians expect it to. Um, 
this uh, whole area of medicine of looking for the stresses and treating them uh, tends to be very successful. This is this is what the research shows: just dramatic uh, decreases in pain scores, uh, even in people who've been uh, in pain for years and years. Wow! I will definitely connect the two of you. Let's see if uh, something works out for her. Thank you, Tej. Well, uh, fantastic talking to you, Dr. David. It was amazing. I got to learn so much, and uh, there is so much science that is yet to be explored, isn't it? Yes, but we uh, we used to have just stories like the ones I've told you today. But uh, in 2023, we've got uh, the gold standard of science, which is randomized controlled trials. We have them from Halifax, Boston, Ann Arbor, uh, Colorado, and Los wow. Angeles, all showing the same thing. Uh, slight variations on the pain relief psychology that they use, um, mm-hmm. but much more overlapping in common with those uh, those studies and just dramatic uh, decreases in pain scores. The, the Colorado study, for example, which was partly sponsored by my nonprofit, uh, they had people who had chronic back pain for an average of a decade. Their pain scores were in the range of four or five out of 10. Uh, they got just eight sessions of pain relief psychology. Their pain scores dropped from over four down to one. Uh, Two thirds of their subjects got all the way to zero. And it was just one month of treatment, two two sessions a week for four weeks. And then they followed to see what would happen. Would the pain come back? They followed them for a year and the pain scores stayed the same. They dropped, like I say, to an average of one from over four. And they had two control groups, including one that got an injection into the spine. I mean, you would think that that would have a powerful effect. Didn't work. The pain scores in the other two groups uh, essentially didn't change. That is fantastic. Wow. Just uh, interesting, very interesting. Well, uh, Dr. David, I could go on and on uh, talking about this, uh, but I think we will draw this episode to a conclusion today. Thank Thank you you. very much for being on the podcast. Uh, I'm sure that uh, this stress illness is something that is not imaginary and uh, fabricated, but is genuine and can greatly affect uh, the quality of life. And the sooner people realize it, the sooner uh, they are able to diagnose it, uh, the better the relief that they will get. Lovely. Talking Absolutely to you. correct. Thank you.